Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. My name is Josh Barnett. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. We're praying that this message equips and empowers you to live in the kingdom of God. Awesome. If you haven't signed up for the marriage conference, do it. It's amazing. If you're married, I guess, um, sign up for it. It's incredible. Uh, Pastor Tim is on another level at the marriage conference. Um, I think if I think his true calling was to be a full-time comedian, so... Um, at marriage conference, he makes me laugh until I cry, and I've heard those jokes a thousand times, and he's still, they're still just as funny when I go hear him. So, um, really want to encourage you to sign up for that. is It's absolutely, um, it's absolutely incredible. Man, I feel the fear of the Lord in here. Um, I am still like shaking and trying to decompress from worship. That was amazing. Um, so I'm going to try to fumble through this this sermon here this morning. Um, if you got your Bibles, turn to First Samuel chapter 17. I've been preaching now. Uh, I think the first sermon I preached was in youth group here when I was 16 years old. And so uh, I've been preaching for about 17 years, which is crazy. Um, And I have never preached a sermon on David and Goliath, which is crazy. Um, I've I've referenced David and Goliath, but I've never preached a full sermon on David and Goliath in all this time that I've been preaching. And And I think because... As soon as we hear David and Goliath, we all know the story. Like, everybody knows, even unbelievers know the story of David and Goliath. David and Goliath might be the most referenced story of Scripture in the unbelieving world. I watch sports, so I hear it all the time. They talk about David and Goliath oftentimes um, as like, kind of like an underdog story, which, you know, in our case, we know that Goliath was actually the underdog, not David. Um, but I, I, I usually don't preach it a whole lot or, or talk about it a lot or even hear a a ton of sermons on it because it's been so often preached, maybe the most preached thing um, in Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, um, we see. And so I've never, never really talked about it. And so I want to, I just want to caution us as we move into it, don't be so familiar from the story that you get robbed of what God wants to teach you in the story. Um, C.S. Lewis says that we need to be reminded more than we need to be instructed. And so we need to be reminded more than we need. And this word is living and active. And, and, and something that has never pierced your heart before can pierce your heart today. And, and, and something that may be, may be a truth that you, or a principle or something that you held on to long ago uh, that maybe you've forgotten about, the Lord wants to reignite in your heart today. And so um, I really want to encourage you, don't, don't be familiar to it. Don't let the religious spirit rob you of what God wants to do in the room. Be, don't just be present in the room. Be present in your mind. Be present in your heart on what God wants to do. Now, I will, I'll admit, too, I often grow frustrated whenever I hear this sermon preached about David and Goliath. I'm often frustrated whenever I read books about David and Goliath. Um, and I'm not, I don't want to be critical of anybody, but I, I feel like oftentimes when David and Goliath is preached that they miss the main point. And that's, that irritates me. And so I want, to, I want to give you from the get-go the main point of David and Goliath this morning. Are you ready? You are not David. God bless you. I am not David. So many movies and uh, books and sermons are preached that put us in the place of David facing Goliath, but that is simply not what this type and shadow means. Jesus is David. Jesus is David, not you and I. (laughs) So I just want to get out there. It's not necessarily about, and, and I get, like, I'm not saying all those stories and sermons are wrong, scripture, but, but we've got to understand, Scripture has one meaning and many applications, and so I'm going to give you the meaning this morning. I think we've got to be careful because we can actually set our own selves up for defeat 
We can set ourselves up for striving. We can set ourselves up to battle against the same giant our entire lives because guess what? You can't defeat the giant. I couldn't defeat the giant. We couldn't defeat the giant. Somebody had to step on the scene and defeat the giant for us. If we could defeat the giant, then Jesus would have never have to come. But he had to come. So the point of the story is that, that I want you to know this morning is that Goliath is already defeated. What you're facing is already defeated. And what you've overcome, you have not overcome on your own strength. You've overcome because of Jesus. G Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says that he is the author, he is the initiator of our faith. And if you could defeat Goliath, then we'll all just put our faith in you. We don't put our faith in ourselves. We don't put our faith in man. We put our faith in him. We are not saved by our works. We are not saved by what we overcome. We are saved by putting our faith in Jesus, lest any man should boast. Are you with me this morning? Come on. David doesn't represent us. Don't read yourself into the story until you first read Jesus into the story. David represents Jesus. He is a type and shadow of our Messiah, our shepherd, our savior, our warrior, our beloved, our champion of faith. On Wednesday nights, we've been talking about our heroes of faith. I've been taking attendance. A lot of you aren't there. You should be there. Um, we've been talking about heroes of faith, which is awesome. But this morning, my title of my sermon that I want to talk to you about is our champion of faith. I'm going to talk to you about our champion of faith, and it's only through putting our faith in the champion of faith that we actually can even be a hero in faith. It's only because of the champion of faith that we even have heroes of faith. And I, I want to tell you this morning, the gospel does not put you on the battlefield, give you a book, and tell you good luck. That's not the gospel. <laughs> Hope you get enough faith if you'll just believe a little bit harder that giant will fall. That's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus showed up in your place while you were being taunted by a giant, while you were living in fear and in shame and in bondage, running and hiding, he showed up and said, I got this. I'll take it from here. He is the author, the originator, the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. Our faith comes from him, is built by him, and made perfect by him. Let's look at 1 Samuel. Are y'all ready? I don't think y'all ready. I'm ready. Oh, my Bible's falling apart. Goodness gracious. You know what they say about a Bible falling apart? It's usually owned by somebody who's not. I know, saw it on Facebook. Or heard it on K-Love or something, you know. <laughs> There's an audience. All right. Ch uh, let's, look at, let's start in verse 4. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks face to face with a force of evil. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet and a bronze coat of mail weighing 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, carried a bronze javelin on his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was heavy and thick as a weaver's beam tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. This is a big guy. This is a big man. He's, he's scary just reading about him. Goliath, you stood and shouted, Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. 
Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we'll be your slave. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. So Goliath kind of sets the rules for this battle here. And when he comes out and taunts, he says, why are you all coming out to fight? Who do you think you are? You think you can beat me. You are only servants of Saul. There is no man among you. What I want you to see this morning is that anytime the enemy comes, he always uses intimidation to try to take us out. And the way that he does that is he always comes and the first thing that he attacks is our identity. The first thing that he comes and attacks is our identity. And the reason that the Israelites were all completely shaken is because they had a king and a ruler who did not know who he was. Because his first thought should have been, I am a child of God. Who are you to defy? And he says, I defy Israel. Correction, Saul should have made, you're defying our God. And he should have stepped on to the battlefield. He always comes after identity. And, I, and, 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 you know, some giants that we face today, and, you know, we've heard these things like this before, but, but, but these are realities. These are things that we face that, that we need to overcome. Who is the giant? Is it anxiety? Is it fear? Is it depression? Is it sin? Is it lust that you can't seem to shake? Is it greed? Is it addiction? Is it success? Is it your dreams coming true? That you felt like I got the word 15 years ago and it still hasn't happened? What label has been taunting you? Not being good enough, not being worthy of love, not being successful of, never measuring up? Failure, coward, pervert? What label taunts you? And listen... This could, have been, this could be bothering you for years. Later on, it says that Goliath, had, had, he came 40 days in a row. 40 days in a row. There's actually a verse, even verse 25, where it talks about how, have, do you see the man who has been coming up? And that language there refers to Goliath inching closer and closer and closer every single day. The enemy can only take the ground that we allow him to. The enemy can only take the ground that we allow him to. And the ground that he is taken in our nation today is because the church has allowed him to take it. But good news, the church has the authority to take it back. The church has the authority to take it back. Anytime you tolerate a giant in your land, in your home, in your heart, he will never stay in the same place. He will always move closer and closer and closer and closer. And listen to me, Jesus judges a church in Revelation for tolerating Jezebel, for tolerating her. Not indulging her, but actually just putting up with her being in the culture. We're not supposed to tolerate giants. We're supposed to step up and say, this is the line. You cannot cross it. And if you do, there's going to be hell to pay. Okay? Our giants come over and over and over. They don't give up. But what I want you to know this morning is that your giants' days are numbered. Your giants' days are numbered. For 40 days, for 40 days, he was giving the same taunt, the same challenge. Who are you, servants of Saul? 
What man can fight me? He always comes after who you are. He always comes after identity. That's what the devil came after with Adam and Eve in the garden. He made them think that they weren't complete. No, God doesn't want you to eat that because he knows that if you'll do, you'll be like him. So he's withholding something from you, so you should eat from it. He always comes and attacks identity. Uh, it's interesting that he was for 40 days. Jesus was also tempted and tested for 40 days in the wilderness by the devil. Do you know what the devil's first statement to Jesus was? If you are the son of God. Because you don't really believe that, do you? I mean, I know you just got baptized and you wrote and the father spoke. So this is my beloved son with whom I'm all pleased. But what has he done for you? He sent you down here. If you are... I'm, that was the temptation. The temptation was not, Jesus, you're hungry. It was, who am I? And Jesus had to overcome. He had to defeat that Goliath so we could receive a spirit from him that testifies to my spirit that I am a child of God, that he is Abba. Jesus had to overcome the testing of identity. He had to go in for 40 days and overcome that. Come on. Goliath's doing the same thing here. Why are you coming to fight and our answer always should be because this is the line, because this is God's land, because this is my family, this is his family, and you are already defeated. The enemy always comes after identity because if he can get you to doubt who you are, or if he can get you to doubt whose you are, which defines who you are, you're already intimidated and you've already lost. Come on. And it says that Saul and his army sat silent for 40 days. Silent for 40 days. They didn't talk. They just got afraid and they ran back to their tents. Every time he, I don't know what they thought was going to change. I mean, like on day three, I probably would have figured it out. They, they come out to see the same. And I guess Saul's just hoping that somebody will muster up strength. But listen to me. The strength is not going to increase as you allow him to get closer and closer and closer the devil's just looking for a foothold because if he can get a foothold, right? Anxiety starts like this. But if you let it, and it'll take you over. Fear starts small. But if you don't take those thoughts captive. You hear me? And as he gets closer, he gets more scary. It seems more big. They sat silent for 40 days. Listen to me, whenever the Goliath steps onto the field and begins to talk to you, you always respond with the word of God. Jesus responded with scripture to the devil every single time. You respond with the word of God and you need to know the devil can't read your mind. He's not a mind reader. He, he can insert thoughts in there, but he doesn't know what you're thinking. So when a thought comes into your mind, that doesn't line up with the word. I take it captive. I make it obedient to Christ by speaking the truth to that statement. And even if you don't feel it, you speak it because he has to leave at the word. The word is sharper than any two-edged sword, and we're going to see later that David took a sword and cut that joker's head off. Cut the head of the snake off whenever he tries to enter in your home. Use the word. Speak it. Speak it until you see it. Speak it until you feel it. Speak it until something changes. Oftentimes, we pray enough to ease our conscience, but we don't pray enough to change things. Pray until you see it changed. Speak the truth until it changes. And somebody needs to know this morning that truth is never at the mercy of fact. The fact may be at stage four, but the truth is, is that if you have the size of a mustard seed, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, it has to cast itself into the sea. Speak the truth, speak the word, 
It's a double-edged sword. Don't let him take ground. Y'all with me? Somebody are looking at me like, you're crazy, sir. I've lost my mind. I have his now. There is power in the word. His word is a sword. When the enemy tells you to shut up, get louder. Get louder. Did worship not take us on a journey today? Good Lord. It was amazing. It took us on a journey if you were paying attention. But the very first song we started with, for those of you who were on time, was Raise a Hallelujah. So I'm throwing so much shade today. Is Raise a Hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. Sing a little louder. Louder than what? The unbelief. I'm going to make that praise louder than my unbelief. Louder than something that's a lie. I'm going to speak the truth. Do you hear me? All right, we got to move on. Y'all are holding me up. Verse 12. Now David was a son of a man named Jesse from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at that time. He had eight sons. Jesse's oldest three had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest. Three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army, but David went back and forth so he could help his father with sheep in Bethlehem. For 40 days, every morning and night, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. And man, that's just what the devil does. Man, he will strut in front of you. He will. He will show it off. He'll sh- and listen, some of you, the devil is strutting in front of you on social media. And you need to turn it off. He's strutting in front of you on social media and you need to turn it off. Because it's robbing you of something. You're tolerating something in your pocket that you don't need to tolerate anymore. We made it thousands of years without social media. Okay, I'm sorry. This is, I'm, not, I'm not sorry for saying it. I'm sorry that I keep getting distracted. We've got to move on. That wouldn't even, that's not even my point. One day Jesse said to David, take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of breads and carry them quickly to your brothers and give these 10 cuts of cheese to their captain, see how they're doing, get along, bring back a report. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army fighting in Elah, yada, yada, yada. What I want you to see here is, that, is, is just like David was sent by his father, Jesus was sent by his father. Just like David was sent by his father to take brother, his Speaking in tongues, I need an interpreter this morning. Just like he was taking bread to his brother, so Jesus brought bread to us himself. He is the bread of life. Give us this day our daily bread, our relationship with him. Give us manna only stayed good for one day because Jesus was showing us that the bread of life is meant to be eaten every single day. What is that? That's communion with him. If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. Just like David was going to his brothers, Jesus came back to get his brothers. Jesus came to earth as God's oldest son and only son, and he left as his only son. Come on. He was sent by the father. David, like Christ, came out from his father rejoicing to do his will, bringing love and gifts of the father to his brethren. In John chapter 5, Jesus says, I only do what the father tells me to do. I only say what the father tells me to say. So just like David was being obedient to his father, so Jesus was being obedient to his father when he came. Look in verse 26. Let's skip down a little bit. David asked the soldier standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? I love David's heart, man. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that is allowed to defy the God of Israel? 
And these men gave David the same reply. Yes, that is a reward for killing him. But then David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men. He was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done, David replied. I'm only asking a question. He walked over to some others, asked them the same thing, received the same answer. Then David's questions were reported to King Saul, and the king sent for him. Real quick, I want to talk about the older brother. The older brother. All through Scripture, the religious spirit is represented by the older brother. You see it in Cain and Abel. You see it in Jacob and Esau. You see it in the prodigal son. You see it here with David and his older brothers. You see it in Jesus and his brothers. Eliab says, what are you doing here? You just want to be seen. Now, Eliab is coming, and the older brother religious spirit always comes from a heart of jealousy. You've got to be careful what you're critical of because what you're critical of often reveals what you're jealous of. What you're critical of often reveals what you're jealous of. Eliab had already seen David anointed king. I'm the oldest, it should be me. I'm more qualified, it should be me. I need the... need the following. I need the success. I need the money. Give me the microphone. Give me, 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 religious spirit. The Pharisees with Jesus, they, they didn't care that he was healing people on the Sabbath. They cared that they couldn't do it. They wanted to do it. They didn't care that he had crowds. They wanted the crowd. They were jealous of him. His brothers, jealous, afraid, embarrassed, Eliab's basically saying to him, I know your pride. You just want to be seen. You just want to be heard. We've got to be careful that we're not always suspicious of people's motives. We've got to be careful that we're not always suspicious of people's motives. I see this in worship a lot. We get suspicious of people's motives. Why does Bergen dance like that? Good grief. Tall Amazon woman. Things like heaven. Be careful that you're not suspicious of motives. It's dangerous. Critical of someone's success because you want it, of someone's influence because you want it, of someone's joy, freedom, peace, love, ministry. Oftentimes that jealousy shows a lack of what you're missing. I love it though. Because the brothers who rejected him later joined him. When David was on the run from King Saul and he was in the cave, it says that his father and all of his brothers joined him. And that 400 men that were in debt, they were distressed, they were depressed, they were all on the run from Saul, they joined David. That 400 ragtag group became David's mighty men. So his brothers that were jealous of him became his mighty men. We see the same thing with Jesus. In John chapter 7, Jesus' brothers show up and they, they try to make him go to Jerusalem because he was the town embarrassment. Get out of Galilee and go to Jerusalem. One time we see his mother and his brothers try to pull him out of a house where he's doing ministry and he says, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Only those who do the will of God. Jesus had to deal with rejection from his family too. What I love though 
is that Jesus' two brothers, James and Jude, both ended up in that upper room, and they both wrote an epistle that's in the New Testament now. Come on. They went from jealous to included to then his mighty men. Come on. This is good. So good. I'm not good because I said it. Good because it's in the Bible. I'm not trying to like brag on myself. Like, I'd amen you too if you weren't patting yourself on the back. I love the New King James Version, how, how David replies to Eliab. He uses this phrase, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause, Eliab? I'm not here for me. The cause is on the battlefield. Where, where Eliab, I don't care if it was you or me, somebody should have stood up to him. Is there not a cause? I, I love in Philippians chapter 1, Paul says, they're preaching from motives that aren't pure, but I rejoice nevertheless because they're preaching Christ. Is there not a cause, man? The cause isn't to get the biggest church in town. The cause isn't to get other people to leave their church to join our church. The cause isn't to have the biggest ministry, to have the most money, to have the most success, to have the best sermon, to go viral. That's not the cause. God bless if this goes viral on YouTube, but I could care less. Because it's not the cause. The cause is not our church against another church. The cause is destroying the works of the devil. The cause is proclaiming the gospel, seeing the sick healed, the oppressed delivered, the captives set free, the dead raised. Is there not a cause? The cause is the kingdoms of this world becoming the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. Is there not a cause? They're not a cause. Verse 32. Don't worry about the Philistine, David told him, so I'll, I'll go fight him. New King James says, let no man's heart fail because of this man. I love that. Don't be ridiculous. Saul said, there's no way you can fight the Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. And when a lion or a bear came to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, plural, lions and bears. Boy's bad to the bone. And I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who has rescued me from the claw of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the Philistine. Fall, fall. Just dyslexic this morning. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Sheesh, come on. I love this dude. I love this dude. His testimony put him on the battlefield with Goliath. The testimony of overcoming the lion and the bear put him on the battlefield with Goliath. What Jesus said and did put him on the battlefield with Satan. What Jesus, his life and ministry qualified him to go to the cross. This is why we can't put ourselves in place of David because you and I couldn't go to the cross. My life and ministry didn't qualify me to go to the cross. I didn't live a sinless, perfect life like Jesus did, like our great high priest did. But Jesus did, and it qualified him to put him on the battlefield with Satan. And I love, man, I love David here because David had already been anointed king, and he's killing lions and bears. Like, dude, chill out, man. <laughs> right? Just like, why don't you just tie a sheep up outside and let the, lion, you know, let the lion and the bear have that? Because the lion and the bear weren't after just one lamb. 
And I love that he took that so importantly. Even after I'm anointed king at 14 years old, I'm going to go back to the sheep field and I'm going to do what God has called me to do at this moment in time. I'm going to worry about him putting me on the throne later. And I'm going to defend these lambs like God has called me to at this point. But the lion and the bear weren't just after one lamb. You think if they ate one lamb, they'd never come back again? No, it would have been a buffet. And more enemies would have moved in. See, it starts with one. Every lamb in your life is important. Well, it's just one movie. It's one song. It's one TV show. It's one text. It's one picture. It's one thing on my phone. It's one. It's a lamb. And the devil's not after one lamb in your life. And if you don't if you don't honor him in the secret place when nobody's around and nobody's watching, he will not honor you in the public place. And oftentimes believers get robbed of their, David wouldn't have the confidence to face Goliath if the Lord hadn't already delivered him from the, from the lions and the bears in the secret place. See, it's in the secret place that we honor God and then he honors us in the public place. See, if we're living a different life with the lambs than we are in the public, when I go to lay hands on somebody and pray for healing, all I'm gonna think about is what I did last night. And I've been robbed of my confidence. I've been robbed of my faith because I'm thinking about what I did. This is why holiness is important. I'm not saying that God won't love you and that you won't go to heaven, but this is why holiness is important because he's called you to do so much more than just watch the lambs. The lambs is where it starts. But it wasn't just about a lamb. When Jesus came into to the cities, they cried out, son of David, don't pass me by. See, it wasn't about just a lamb. It was about the lamb of God. You tracking with me? Don't give up your lambs. Guard them. David was shocked when he came onto the battlefield and saw them cowering fear. Jesus was often amazed when he came across a lack of faith. I think about the disciples on the boat where he stands up and says, where's your faith? At the bottom of the mountain transfiguration. How long must I put up with this corrupt generation? Where's your faith? Why did he ask that question? Because he had already showed them, I've defeated it. You now can do it because it's already been beaten. Where's your faith? Chloe was, took my verse earlier when she was talking about uh, Revelation 19.11. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What does that mean? It means my testimony, when I share my testimony, what he did in my life, it prophesies something and releases breakthrough for your life or for whoever's life because of what Jesus overcame with me I know that he can overcome it with you but I know that he's already overcome it and that's why <laughs> that's the whole deal it's like people are like oh no like you're just going to struggle your whole life like no that's not true that's what the devil wants you to believe you don't have to struggle your whole life you don't have to get your brains kicked in your whole life I know that he can make you free how do I know that because he made me free and there's power in my testimony. You can be set free from addiction. How do I know that? Because I have. You can be set free from anxiety. How do I know that? Because I have. 
He can heal your body. How do I know that? Because I've seen him heal before and I know that he'll do it again. Come on. And then you can stand up here and say, he has slain his ten thousands. And he'll do it again. Verse 38. Oh my gosh, the time. Don't worry about it. Don't look at your watch. Don't look at it. Don't look at it. It's 1130. I hope you set a timer on that crock pot. Then Saul David gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, took a sword, took a couple steps. He had never worn these things. I can't go in these, he protested. I'm not used to them. So David took them off. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream, put them in a shepherd's bag, then armed with only a shepherd's staff and a sling, he started out across to fight the Philistine. Tries on the armor, tries to go fight Saul's way, tries to go fight the worldly way, but this is not the way that David was called to fight. We don't wage war the way the world does. And listen, Jesus didn't come the way they thought he was going to come. They thought he was going to come as a conquering king on a white horse and just start slaughtering all the enemies, but that's not the way that he came. He came to build the kingdom of peace. He came to preach a gospel that set men free. God is always going to win in the most unlikely of ways. The cross is foolishness to the unbelieving world. 1 Corinthians 1.18, it's foolishness to the, to the ways of this, it's, it's foolishness to those who are perishing. And God uses the foolish things to shame the wise. He uses the weak things to defeat the powerful things. That's the way that God works and that's the way that he used Jesus. He didn't come as a conqueror king, he came as a humble servant. God didn't use the one who looked qualified in Saul to fight Goliath, he used a shepherd boy. He used a shepherd boy to fight Goliath. Come on, these seem like foolish battle tactics, but when God is on your side, it's always a majority. Come on. Verse 41. Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you would come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here, and I will give your flesh to the birds and wild animals. Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, you have come with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will cut you and cut off your head, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know there is a God in Israel, and everyone assembled here will know the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. David called game. Before he took the shot, he said, watch how I'm about to cross you up and sink this game winner in your face and there's nothing you can do about it. Come on. And that's what Jesus did. I love it. That's what Jesus did. Goliath, come down and face me. Eliab, why are you down here? Jesus came down from heaven to earth. Philippians 2, Ephesians 4, the one who ascended first descended. And he made a way for our victory. He made a way for our victory. And listen, this is the champion here. This is David, the champion. Jesus is our champion of faith. He's our high priest. Hebrews 4 and 5, go read it later, talking to him about, about being our, our high priest. He's our mediator. He's the one that steps in between us and Goliath. He's the one, uh, Hebrews 13 talks about how that you had, to take the, you had to take the animal that was sacrificed and go burn it outside of the camp 
Jesus was crucified outside of the city. David had to go outside of the camp to fight Goliath. He went on our behalf on the outside and took on the shame that we were living in so that it could be defeated and we never had to live in shame anymore. He broke the power of sin. He's still representing you. He's still sitting at the right hand. He's still your advocate. The Father still sees Jesus when he looks at you. Verse 48, as Goliath moved closer to attack David, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag, taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in. Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath, and David used it to kill him and cut off its head. Here's the head. And I love that because after this, David comes back. Here's the head. It says he takes it all the way to Jerusalem. Can you imagine a little 14-year-old shepherd boy riding on a cart with that head on his knee, blood dripping down everywhere? With a head. Big old head. Nine foot six, golly. Big old head with the head of the enemy coming back in victory and in triumph. Cut it off. Here's the head of your enemy. Here's the head of your enemy. Here's the cancer, here's the sickness, here's the disease. It's already been defeated. Where's your faith? Where's your faith? Believe in him, trust in him, rest in his finished work. And listen too, Jesus is the stone. He's the rock that left the sling too. He's the cornerstone that crushes anybody that resists him. He's the sword that cuts off the head, the, head, the word that's sharper than any two-edged sword. I love Back when David says, let no man's heart be, I'm just trying to rush, I'm sorry. Let no man's heart fail because of him. Because of what? Because of fill in the blank of whatever you feel like is overcoming you, whatever is taunting you, because Jesus has already defeated it. To Telesta, it is finished, forever finished. Where's your faith? Your faith comes from him. It doesn't come from you. Does it come from somebody else that's overcome a whole lot of things? It comes from Jesus. It comes from Jesus. And I love in verses 52, 53, 54, it talks about after they saw that David had killed Goliath, they ran after the Philistines. They chased them down, killed them. They plundered their camp. Listen, his victory is our victory too. He now empowers us to go out into the world and defeat the enemy that's already defeated. They're, the enemy's running. We're more than conquerors. We are not fighting for victory, you're fighting from victory. Remember, Goliath said, when you defeat me, we'll be your slaves. Even if they're running. The enemy's running, he's been running. Since Jesus came up out of that grave, he has been running. He is terrified. What about all this crazy, evil devastation happening in the world? It's because we stopped chasing him. We stopped chasing them and we let them set up camp. No more. Not in my house. Not in my church. Not in my community. Not in this school. Not in my nation. No more. Matthew chapter 16. 
Jesus comes to the region of Caesarea Philippi, asks his disciples, who do men say that the Son of Man is? Well, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, others say some a prophet. Well, who do you say the Son of Man is? Peter replies, you are Christ. You are the Son of the living God. Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Your name is Simon. It will be Peter. It will be Petra. It will be rock. And on this rock, on your revelation that I am Christ, Peter, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build my ecclesia. I'm going to build my governing body. And I'm going to give them the keys of the kingdom. And whatever they bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever they loose on earth will be loose in heaven. The keys of the kingdom. Do you know where Jesus was standing when he said that in Caesarea Philippi? When he shared that, there's a huge, massive cave in Caesarea Philippi, and it was a town that was full of pagans, and they thought that cave was the entrance to the underworld, the entrance to Sheol, the entrance to hell. And Jesus says, the gates of hell can't resist you. You're going to go in there, and you're going to plunder that camp, and you're going to take back what the enemy has stolen. You're going to take back what the enemy has stolen. My victory is your victory. His victory is our victory. Jesus has made a public spectacle of our enemy. Fun fact for you, rabbinical tradition says, well, can't prove this, I can't prove it, but you also can't prove me wrong. So I, I love it anyway. Where was Jesus crucified? Calvary, Golgotha place of the skull. Golgotha, Goliath of Gath. Rabbinical tradition says that David took that head and he buried it in that hill. That hill outside of the camp, outside of the city of Jerusalem, he wouldn't have been legally allowed to bury it in Jerusalem. Outside of Jerusalem, the tallest place, Mount Moriah, buries it right there overlooking Jerusalem and Jesus was crucified on top of the head of Goliath. You will bruise his head, his heel, but he will crush your head. Do you hear me? Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Y'all stand with me. He's our champion of faith. He's our champion of faith. He's defeated Goliath. He's defeated the enemy that we face. He's defeated anxiety. He's defeated fear. He's defeated depression. He's defeated suicidal thoughts. He's defeated the power of sin. Now he's called us to hold the line. He's called us to take ground. We don't wage war like the world does. But every step that we take, that ground he'll give to you. And far too long, his ecclesia has been putting up with sin in the church. And God is pulling off the blinders right now. He is 
coming through his church, his bride with a winnowing fork right now and separating. And if you have not seen that last few years, it's your eyes are closed. Let him come in your homes and your hearts and your minds. Don't put up with a Goliath in your house. Don't put up with it in your community. Don't put up with it in your kids. Don't put up with it in your family. You speak against that thing. You call things that are not as though they were. We've put up with it far too long in our nation, in our community. And we got to be willing to make a stand because what we're fighting has already been defeated. Aaron, will you put on some music, please? Thank you, sir. I know it's past 12, and if you need to go, you can slip out. I'd rather you leave happy than stay mad. Love you guys. No, and yeah, no, if you, if for real, if you, if you got to roll out. But as I was praying and getting ready for this, I, I felt like we just need to do some business for a minute in here. Because there are, man, there's Goliaths that we face. There's things that we look and we see and there's, we just feel like there's no way I can overcome that. There's no way that I can be all that God has called me to be. There's no way that I'm ever going to achieve that thing. There's no way. There's no way, man. There's no way that I can be free from this thing that has haunted me. There's no way that I can be healed. I've prayed a thousand times, man. But I want you to know the teacher is here, and he wants to see you. He wants to see you. So let's do this, because I haven't really prepared a, a prayer team or anything like that, but, but I want to do this. If you need physical healing in your body, if that is a giant to you that is in your way right now, I want you to slip up your hand. This is family. Come on. We're family. How do I know that he can heal you? Because I've seen him heal people. I've seen him heal bodies. Babe, put your hand up. All right, if somebody around you has your hand up, I want you to gather around them and lay hands on them. We're the priesthood of the believer. This thing's already been beaten. We're gonna pray the prayer of faith. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, speak the word of God over their bodies. Speak the word of God over their bodies. We call their bodies back into alignment with heaven right now in Jesus' name. We command pain to leave their bodies in Jesus' name. We command arthritis to leave right now in Jesus' name. We command cancer to leave right now in Jesus' name. We command aches and pains to leave right now in the name of Jesus. We command, we command backs to come in alignment with heaven in Jesus' name. Come on, this isn't something that we rest in his victory. Rest in his victory. He has already defeated whatever is facing that body. By his stripes, we are healed. 
Come on, pray in the spirit over them. Pray in the spirit over them. Pray the perfect will of God over their body right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Not here, not in this body. Thank you, Jesus. I want to do this as well. This one, you're going to have to be a little more vulnerable. But this is family and we're here to do business. We're here to do family business this morning. And there's no judgment for any of this. I shared with y'all a few months ago, I was laying on my, cat, my, uh, on my couch just so bound with anxiety and fear that I thought I was losing my mind. I thought I was losing my mind and everything seemed good. I just got caught up in the pressure of performance. I got caught up in the pressure of discipling all of your kids. I got caught up in the pressure of trying to be everybody's favorite preacher. I, and I'll be, listen, I'll be, I'll be really real with you. I got caught up in the pressure of my wife making more money than me. That was humbling for me as a man. And some of you are like, wow, I can't believe you complain about that. I'd love for my wife to make more money than me. <laughs> but I thought I was supposed to be provider, and I didn't feel like I was being provider. And I got caught up in performance issues. And it was driving me crazy. And I never forget, my wife said, I just want you to be happy. I want to make you happy. And I told her, and this, this was, I wasn't trying to be rude, but I said, you can't make me happy. I said, you're the best thing that's ever happened to me, but you're not the one that can make me happy. I knew what could make me happy. The whole reason I was experiencing is because I distanced myself from him. I thought because I was doing ministry for him that I would be okay, but I had to do ministry with him. Me and him alone in my office. And when I got that right, listen, joy unexplainable that can't be contained. And so I want you to be vulnerable. If you're dealing with anxiety or depression or fear, and that is just something that has like riddled your body, it's hard for you to like even to think straight, to see straight, because you're like, I am trying to not feel this way and it's not working. I have been to therapy, I've been to counseling, I'm all for those things, but I also know that one encounter, I know that one encounter with Jesus can set you free from that, man. And so if that's something you're struggling with, I want you to slip your hand up too because we want to lay hands on you and pray for you. Come on. 
Come on, the first, listen, the first step is just gonna be vulnerable. The first step is you saying, yep, it's me. I can't do this on my own, I need help. I feel broken, I feel weak, hands up all over the place. Lay hands on somebody that has hand, that's got their hand up around you. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and the Spirit is in this place, and the Spirit is in your body. And we're gonna fan that spirit into flame this morning and we're gonna see freedom come to your mind, see freedom come to your heart. Anxiety, we command you to leave in the name of Jesus. You can no longer take up residence in this mind, in this heart. Anxiety, you have to leave right now. We cast our worries and our cares at the feet of the king this morning. I hear the Lord say, he's got you. He's got you. He's not going anywhere. He's got you. I hear the Lord say, you are successful because you are loved by him. There's no ladder to climb. He already climbed it. We rebuke depression in the name of Jesus. We rebuke depression in the name of Jesus. It is not from the Lord. It is so demonic. It is so oppressive. It's a fog. We rebuke that fog in Jesus' name. It's just smoke and mirrors. It's smoke and mirrors. You've got a great sympathizer. You've got one who has experienced abuse. You've got one who has experienced betrayal. You've got one who has experienced loneliness. You've got a great high priest who's interceding for you right now. The devil has asked to sift you, but I prayed for you, Jesus told Peter. I prayed for you. Come on, you've got a champion right now holding up that head. We rebuke fear in the name of Jesus. We rebuke fear in the name of Jesus. We rebuke those lies. In Jesus' name, we rebuke that in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.